0: Section 19 of Criminal Investigation, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cheryl Holmes, M.D. Criminal Investigation, a practical handbook for magistrates, police officers, and lawyers, Volume 3, by Hans Gross translated by john adam and john collier adam theft continued when persons to the number of five or more commit or attempt to commit robbery robbery being theft with violence they are said in india to commit or attempt to commit dacoity but though any five persons who join in committing robbery are technically dacoits ordinarily speaking the word dacoit signifies one who being a member of a robber band generally of large number, makes his living by robbery. In India, this trade is a widespread and lucrative one, carried on under the very eyes of the police, who find this a branch of crime very difficult to detect. The gangs of dacoits are, or ought to be, well known to the authorities, but their operations are so sudden, the property they carry off is so difficult to identify, being usually cash, or gold and silver, which can be immediately melted down, and their chief, frequently appears so respectable being perhaps headman of some village who never goes out himself but plans operations and directs the gang that to bring about the conviction is generally a most difficult task witnesses are either afraid to identify or cannot in fact identify individual members of the gang and as often as not the local policeman is unwilling to really bring about their total dispersal his impulse is always to harry the localized convict or known depredator k d or ne'er-do-well while the professional robber is miles away with his booty the methods of these gang-robbers and of the local police in their attempts to bring about their conviction have changed little if at all during the last fifty years the records of the superior courts in eighteen fifty four for instance point conclusively to the fact that then as now the local policemen had too often no desire to track in a systematic manner the real robber but preferred to trump up a case against any person of bad character any alleged enemy of the victim or anyone who for some reason or other was sought to be put out of the way out of 197 persons accused in 29 cases of dacoity in the madras presidency in that year there were acquittals in no fewer than 21 cases 136 accused persons being acquitted either by the lower or appellate courts, whereas only 61 received substantial punishment. In one case, we find the appellate court indulging in the following remarks. The report of the adigree, dated the 12th September, states that up to that time the prosecutrix knew nothing of the guilty parties. All her subsequent statements must be attributed to the instigation of the head of police. The session's judge to be instructed to call the attention of the magistrate to the conduct of the head of police who it is to be feared induced the first prisoner to confess led the first witness to make the statements he did and concocted the whole case and even went so far as to suggest to the subordinate judge the propriety of obtaining the sanction of this court to the eleventh prisoner being allowed to turn approver in another case the court remarked the proceedings of the sub-officer of police have been most dilatory the second prisoner was not examined by him till the 18th of December, and the witnesses from one to four on the 18th, 24th, and 25th December. The fifth witness, though a material one, was left by him unexamined. In yet another case, we find the appellate court judgment concluding as follows. There is no part of the evidence which can, in my opinion, be safely relied on. There was no information to account for the earliest arrests there was nothing to lead to the first confession obtained the second third fourth and ninth prisoners who were first apprehended were detained in confinement without warrantable cause and unexamined for about twenty days after which the first prisoner was taken up also without due cause and then confessions were obtained these proceedings are calculated to throw much suspicion upon the operations of the police and prevent my having confidence in the evidence furnished to the discovery of the property produced with the prisoners and to its being what was stolen. I therefore concur with the session's judge in acquitting the prisoners and direct their release. Parallels to the above, selected at random from Madras Furchtari, Uthalat, court judgments could be easily culled from the high and chief court records of to-day whether it be that when such failures in detection occur the police are in league with or afraid of the dacoits or are too incompetent or too lazy to cope with the work of hunting them down is not for us to say if it were a case merely of inability to charge anybody we should not feel justified in blaming them for anything but incompetence and might acknowledge on their behalf that they are not so clever as those with whom they have to deal but this is not so they do profess to elucidate such crimes and they do bring charges which in many cases turn out to be utterly lacking in foundation the investigating officer has thus a double duty to perform he has not only to watch his subordinates and prevent them from shirking their work or bringing charges against innocent persons, but also at the same time to see the real offenders brought to justice. General Hervey, in describing the north of India dacoits, tells us that many of them live in excellent masonry houses with underground passages arranged to facilitate escape and for storage of booty. They are well supplied with the best food and spirits load themselves and their women with jewellery and are noted for their charity and hospitality but a curious observer might detect that a close intelligence was withal a part of them all that the eye is restless and watchful the child is signalling something the woman's song is a voice of warning whether by word or intonation and that the man's hang-dog look cloaks furtive glances, which connect him with the persons who are peering through the high thorn fences of the cattle yards which project from each dwelling or with others who flip from window to window or terrace of their labyrinths and subterraneous abodes in southern and central india these gangs of robbers frequently raid the country for months before returning to their headquarters generally some out-of-the-way village the men of the village are if not themselves members of the gang most often in its pay, and are only too ready to place every obstacle in the way of the police. If search be attempted in their houses, they even show fight. The whole village, at times, neighboring villages, join in, and a hundred witnesses can subsequently be called to break down any case of rioting the police may launch against them. At the same time, it must be recognized that great difficulties beset the police honestly and strenuously endeavoring to obtain convictions of gang dacoits. Sir E.C. Cox, but a high official in the Bombay Police Service, whose experience extends over many years, has aptly epitomized some of these difficulties. A police official, he says, might know the names of men who make their living by plundering in every direction. He may even be able to lay hands upon them. But what then? When caught, they were engaged in plowing their fields or other equally inoffensive occupations. Who's going to give evidence against them? A search in their houses generally leads to nothing, for the stolen property is either at once sent to a distance, or else buried in a field until such time as the hue and cry may be over. Then the villagers, who have been disturbed at dead of night by a band of armed men, and made to disgorge the valuables, are, even if they wish to do so, at considerable difficulty in recognising the offenders, who may have painted their faces and otherwise disguised themselves. But even if they can identify certain persons as robbers, what advantage is it to them to say so? If they do, they will in the first place be taken hither and thither by the police to attend searches in which their property may perchance be found. They will then be summoned before the magistrate to give evidence, and subsequently before the session's judge, at the greatest possible inconvenience and loss of time and money. Then, as often happens, the session's court does not consider the evidence sufficient for the conviction of the accused, and the dacoits are acquitted. The next proceeding of these gentry is to set fire to the cottages or haystacks of those who have complained. The ordinary native is not imbued with any great power of public spirit. It is not wonderful, then, that the people of any particular village which has been visited by dacoits should prefer to undergo the loss and be done with it and either insist that they are unable to identify their assailants or even combine to say that there has been no decoity at all it is not likely they think that their village would be entered again for a similar operation let other villagers take their chance as for any thought of the people turning up as one man and capturing or driving off the decoits such an idea seldom enters their head on the few occasions when i have known it attempted it has answered admirably for the decoys have not much pluck to sustain them if they are resisted but these occasional bursts of courage on the part of the villagers are few and far between and it is not wonderful that decoys flourish exceedingly and the police are driven to despair how then when a decoyty has taken place are the offenders to be satisfactorily brought to justice and punished no doubt the rule usually laid down keep the district quiet with armed patrols and get suspects bound over is admirable but this in no way answers our question the time-honored method of the subordinate police to beat the suspect till he confess is not open to the investigating officer and must be rigorously discountenanced by him but what then criminal statistics show us that the wholesale conviction of a gang of robbers is a most exceptional occurrence the only advice possible for us to give is really the nature of a few hints as follows one become acquainted with the habits and methods of working of the known decoys in your district two never make an arrest until certain that independent testimony will be forthcoming at the inquiry and trial three never forget that the women are deep in every plot four be extra suspicious of the man who is away from home for weeks at a time, and have his movements washed, if possible. If implicated in a case, he will subsequently attempt to explain his absence with the usual excuses. Away buying cattle at X, to a ceremony of his daughter at Y, etc. And he will have numerous witnesses, and even postal and official documents to support his statements. But when he finds that he has been carefully shadowed for days before the offense, and that his explanations will not be believed, things will look very black for him, and if he cannot be actually convicted on the substantive charge, enough will have been brought out to warrant his being bound over. 5. Never forget that the headman of the suspected village, that is, the village where the dacoits usually reside, may be the moving spirit in a dacoity, and, if it can be managed in a lawful manner, have his house unexpectedly searched six always remember that all the inhabitants of the suspected village are usually thoroughly in league with the dacoits and if any of them be put forward by the village magistrate to give evidence their statements must be treated with great caution not to say suspicion seven in a prosecution before calling any particular witness be extremely careful to determine in what circumstances he has been brought forward it is unfortunately a common practice of the police arriving at the scene of a dacoity, on the villagers being unable to give any indication as to who have robbed them to demand the names of their enemies and unless these have conclusive proof of alibi immediately to arrest them for reasons stated above a complainant may be most unwilling to bring any charge against the members of a robber gang known to frequent the neighborhood, but he leaps at the chance of implicating some of his particular enemies, whom no Indian villager is without and does all in his power to assist the police in fastening the offense upon them. If then the investigating officer discovers that the persons implicated in a dacoity are enemies of the parties robbed, he must view the evidence of the latter with the greatest suspicion eight it frequently happens that though the real decoys have been arrested their conviction is impossible through want of evidence as already mentioned one of the band is frequently willing to turn informer and give a circumstantial account not only of the perpetration of the particular robbery under investigation but also of other decoities in which it has been engaged the investigating officer must therefore take care to obtain from such an informer a complete and detailed account of the dacoity a bald and uncircumstantial statement will favor the defense more than the prosecution in illustration of this we here quote an account of the doings of a notorious band of Lombardy dacoits which was broken up some years ago in Mysore. it is a narrative of a member of the band who turned informer any one reading it cannot but be struck with its apparent truthfulness it is just such a narrative as this that will preclude any suggestion that the statement of an informer has been got up for the purposes of the case this account is also interesting as showing the organized methods in which decoities are planned and carried out it is reprinted by the author's permission from the excellent monograph on the criminal classes of the madras presidency by mr Mullally, and is in the dacoit's own words i was near Raidurga before the famine and belonged to peru nayak's thanda during the famine that is to say six or seven years ago we came to mysore and stopped near shikarpur with us the members of another thanda which was led by bhan also came and encamped near us in Shikarpur in Ban's Thunder also there were about fifteen or sixteen men. These sixteen men belonging to our thunders were convicted and imprisoned for committing a dacoity in a washerman's house there. Thence we left that place, and after having been for a month in a place called Mai we came and encamped near Gora Mother in Chilakiri Taluk. Ban's thunder did not accompany us. A month after our encamping in Gorasumudur, Hema Nayak and Vallu Nayak came with their thunders and encamped there, the former with forty and the latter also with a number of men. Leaving the camp again, we came to a place near Kadapalli in Chalakiri Taluk and encamped there. Thence again, we sent away our thunders to Budhipura in the Heriyur Taluk, and fifteen or twenty of us went away to commit robberies towards Nonampuli and Amrapur in Her Majesty's territories. Within two or three days they joined the encampment in Heriur. I do not go. Dungriya and others, named, had all gone for that excursion. Thence we came and settled near Dindavur. Leaving the Thunders there, the party went towards Bellavi of the thunkur district, and, after committing decorities in two places, returned within two or three days. I did not accompany that raid also. Thence we went near Kulir. I mean, the thunder was removed. We stopped there for a month, and then we went to Thiptur. I mean, for excursion only. A party went. I did not go even there. There were some cartmen, and others were robbed. Thence we removed the thunder to a stream on the other side of Hosadrug. There is a canary called Buttapanna Canary near Huliyar. I had gone out for that raid. There we committed attaquity and again at Arsa Mangundi. Then again we changed our thanda to Lokatulalu. We left our thanda here and a party went away towards kannakatta There we committed attaquity. I was then present. Then we plundered on the other side of Nagapuri. From there, we went towards Duda of the Hassan district. There is a road there from Tiptur, and in that crossroad, we plundered about 15 or 20 cars. From these raids, we returned home to our thunders. Then we changed our camp again to Kandavadi, and ourselves went towards Berur, and there attacked and plundered the marriage party. We returned from there. Thence we went away towards Brahmasagar near Vijayapur. Leaving our tanda there, we went towards Tiptur. I did not go. A party had gone. Thence we went straight towards Huliar. I mean, we took our tanda there. Leaving the tanda there, a party went towards the Sibi temple and there committed some plunders. I had not gone. Thence we returned home and once more went towards Amirapur and committed some decorities. I was one of the party then. There the Thanda separated. Hemanayak's Thanda quarrelled with us and went and encamped near Brahmasagar, near Chelakiri. My own and that of Velunayak went away to the other side of Fulir and there encamped. Hemanayak's Thanda people robbed some people at Kutikari near Chitalrub. The Sarkar people came to our Thanda in connection with that occurrence, and we, both the Thandas, ran away from there towards Mundugi in Darwar. There we stopped away. While we were there, we committed two raids on Mysore. I had come once. It was at Kurligi and on another occasion near Harpanhali. We had not come to Mysore. Cartmen were robbed there in one of those raids one of our men by name ramachand was killed after this we went away towards gajendragadu and thence to golak Mundri. there we stopped for three or four months and did not commit any robberies we had gone to hire our bullocks twice or thrice meanwhile one thodi a woman brought news that heman nayak's party were near gupti having run away from brahmasagar shortly after Ramdas and four others of Hema thunder came to us. There they told us that Gola Nayak had been caught at Chitaldrug, that some had run away towards Guti, and that they came running there leaving their families near Karnul. Ramdas offered to Peru Nayak that if he gave him 10 rupees he would bring Hema party and that they might then go somewhere for committing robberies. Within 15 or 20 days, he returned with all of him and Thanda, and there we all assembled together. We were all there for 8 or 10 days, during which time all the leaders conspired to commit fresh raids, as their cattle and all property had been taken by the Sirka people, and we started towards the Mulnad. But before this, we of Peru, Nayik's Thanda had gone towards Goodi Kurti and there committed some robberies. There was Nayak's thunder there, and four or five of us came there. My own younger brother is Perunayak, and his marriage had to be contracted. Solanayak said that the Sirkar people were in our pursuit, and that no marriage was then possible. He said that if we came to the Malnad, he knew some Hegedesi's houses there, which he said might be plundered, and that the marriage might also be celebrated there. Hemanayak was sent for, and he agreed to send his party as agreed we of the three thunders, that is to say perunayak valunayak and hemanayak came towards malnad that is to say we left our thunders near bomanahali and ourselves went on an excursion to malnad straightways we went to shikarpur there in the jungle some of our people were in advance and others were seated under a tamarind tree when three brahmins were seen coming towards us they were riding on ponies they saw some of us and came towards us calling out robbers we were about thirty or forty people i too was present a consultation was held and it was decided that if we let these brahmans go they would go and raise an alarm and that our program to commit depredations in Mulnard would be spoiled and that therefore all the three should be killed seven or eight persons went and beat them some of this party i mean of our own had a gundukatti, a sword, and some clubs. The three brahmins were beat with them and killed. Tulia, Ratnia, and Chandivalya, not here, struck them dead. Tulia had the sword, Valya had the knife, and the others had clubs. The others also had surrounded them, but it was these four that cut and hacked the bodies. Thence we went straight on to Harikuppa. In the jungle there were left all their people. Perunayak, jaganya kala and somla went and brought nine men of tota party including tota then near harikuppa some women and others were coming in a cart which we attacked and plundered i was present then then we went away to towards mudumkuppa in the Shimoga road in that road three or four brahmans were coming along walking then a cart and some three horsemen came also a bullock man all these men were robbed and we went away into the jungles toward kumsi there we stopped for midday in the jungle and totenaik brought news of the rissal treasure cart we all went there surrounded and attacked the cart and plundered the contents we found the rissal money in it which we carried away towards Shikarpur. thence we went to bominhali in the dharvar district there we had our cattle on which we carried rice we concealed the money in rice bags and went away to surapur there we united with the other thandas and were all together the plunder was then distributed and the money was paid away according to each man's share each man got three hundred rupees balya and Tulya took a hundred rupees more than others these thandas were separated at sapur near sarapur there were many people in all the three thandas we thought people's alarm will be raised and attention directed to our number so we separated peru nayak's thanda went away on one side and the other two thandas of Valu and hema went on the other Totanayak nayak turned away from shikarpur there we stopped away and the sirkar people seized us there this is all my story we were brought thence to shimoga and i am here prota nayak jaitri their sons and others of totanayk's party joined us from malnad these were not present when the three brahmans were killed but joined us after and were present during the treasured dakotis. of the prisoners in court none are of my thanda, that is, i e they belong to Valunaik's thanda and Valunaik is himself the twelfth prisoner all these were present with us during our raids some were going for some and others for others but all and every one was taking part in the dacoities and living from the plunder which we used to get. vallu Naik was with us also. He does not go out himself to commit robberies but stays at home. When the treasure dacoity took place, we had left him near Surapur or Guluk Mandrigi. When our Thundas were in this country, he used to remain in the Thundas. He is the Naik of the Thunder and as such the head he would himself take a share in all the spoil send out his men give directions for the commission of robberies and concerting such measures of hemanayak's thanda there are badabalya and eleven others named near balapanak about fifteen or twenty cartmen were beaten it was a party returning or going towards jitalru it was about daybreak when these were attacked i do not know what the carts contained near arsamangundi we also attacked and plundered 10 or 12 carts in the former, we did not get much money we got about 150 rupees we got also some clothes etc in the other we got about 300 rupees near Kanakati it was all a pedestrian party going to markets near nagpuri in tirupuli hills we plundered cartmen only a little money was found, but we got about ten seers of silver and three seers of gold. It was dark when we committed this, and I cannot say whether there were any women in the party. Near Duda, another pedestrian party, or rather two or three parties returning from the bazaar, were beaten and plundered. There, an Anchal runner was stopped. As he said he was government servant, we let him go. He was going to Tiptur pera was present and he had a gun and kodal when the three Brahmins were killed near Najibhagipalla. pera took part in it and struck them dead. None of those Brahmins recognized Peranayak. I was sick in Shikarpur, and in fact had gone away to Hemanayak's Thanda in Raithrug. I do not know if my brother Peranayak was going to cook the cherry in that dobi's Dakoity. It was in Raidrug that I had heard my brother Lala and my nephew Bhimla had been imprisoned. When we came to Ullavarti from Brahmasagar and before that, Hema Naik had come over to us at Handavadi. We were giving him a share in the spoil and he took a share of all the dacoities. In such chore tandas, Nayaks take two shares while the others take only one. They are the leaders and big men and have to be watchful of both the good and evil from the sirkar people. This is their recognized usage. All these three nayaks, viz. Peru nayak, Valu nayak, and Hema nayak, used to receive two shares from the very commencement. Hema nayak's people were with us, and it is our custom that this big nayak should also be given his share wherever he might be. Hema nayak received nine hundred rupees in connection with the treasury remittance. He got it in Surpur End of Section nineteen Recorded by Cheryl Holmes MD